Good morning, church. Um, wasn't it brilliant what Wendy Mann brought last week about the normal Christian life that Jesus modelled for us? And I would really urge you to watch that talk if you missed it. I really encourage you to do that. One thing that Wendy made really clear is the importance of knowing God as your father and knowing that you are a dearly loved son or daughter. And, and these are revelations of the spirit that we need to ask for as we ask him to fill us. And we need to grasp these revelations as a key foundation for living a naturally supernatural life. Because, you know, the security you have in your identity is what will enable you to take some risks. And the naturally supernatural life is about taking risks. And then Wendy told us some really inspiring stories of risk and, and what God did as a result. Now, here is a story that might encourage you in a slightly different way. So we were moving house back in November and one of the removal men had a problem with his back, which is not great for a removal man. Um, there were three of these guys. And so two of them were doing the bulk of the heavy lifting. And the other guy, uh, he was helping where he could, but he was clearly in a lot of discomfort. And he spent a lot of time on the back of the lorry, kind of shuffling items to the, to the, to the ramp so that the other two could come and pick it up and take it into the house. And I saw this, I saw what was going on. And, you know, I just felt actually quite strongly, I felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit. This is an opportunity for God's kingdom to break in. Here's an opportunity to do good. Why don't you pray for him? Pray for his back. Now, how does that story end? Well, I would love to be able to tell you that I found an appropriate moment to offer prayer, that his back was miraculously healed. And actually, he gave his life to Christ there. And then I would love to be able to tell you that. The truth is, I bottled it. I bottled it. I didn't pray. In, in spite of the strong prompting of the Holy Spirit, I didn't pray. So what stopped me? Well, fear. Fear stopped me. Fear of the, the kind of response that I might receive. These are pretty rough and ready guys with a, an interesting range of vocabulary, let's say. Fear of God not turning up. Unbelief. Praying and nothing happening. Fear. And ultimately, I guess, a lack of love for the person in front of me. Now, I, I guess that the majority of us can identify with that kind of a situation, that an opportunity arises and then something stops us. So I'm not coming to you as an expert on this, an expert on living a naturally supernatural lifestyle. The point is that we're all on a journey together in this. We move together on this and we're going to spend several weeks of this series looking more closely at those barriers of fear, unbelief, disappointment, things like that and how we overcome those barriers. And it's so important that we do because, you know, my strong desire for us as a church, and I believe God's desire for us, is to be a naturally supernatural people. That it's not an optional extra, or it's not something for just a few people. You know, I, I, I want to see God's power break out, and maybe he can even use me, but he probably won't. No, it's not about that. I don't want us to just be open to this. I want us to be hungry for it. You know, God, we don't just want to see your power break out. We need your power to break out. I need your power to break out in this situation. And please use me in this. We need to be hungry because we have a town to reach, a town of lost people, crowds like sheep without a shepherd. We have a town to reach. We have people on our blessed lists to reach. We need the power of God to break out, to reach people. We need to be desperate for the power of God to break out. So we need to be hungry, not just open. We need to be hungry to see that and to be part of it. This is for every believer. It's not just for a select few. Because if the spirit of God dwells in us, 
the same spirit who anointed Jesus and who raised Jesus from the dead. If the spirit of God lives in us, and that's what the Bible tells us, if you're in Christ, then we should expect to see signs and wonders in our lives because God lives in us. God goes with us. The spirit of God is in us. We should expect to see signs and wonders in our lives and in the lives of others. And we shouldn't expect the Christian life to be dull, to be boring, but to be an adventure. The adventure of saying yes to God and being part of the advance of his kingdom, bringing the kingdom of God into the lives of others. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today, the kingdom of God, because understanding the kingdom is another crucial foundation to living a naturally supernatural lifestyle. See, the kingdom is central, absolutely central to Jesus' life and his ministry. He, he told loads of parables about the kingdom. He taught his disciples to pray for it. He rebuked the religious leaders for missing it. He taught people how to enter it. He healed the sick and the oppressed wherever he went in a demonstration of the kingdom coming. And he told his disciples to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom wherever they went. You see, the major focus for Jesus was seeing the kingdom advance on the earth, and he wants it to be our major focus too. So what do we mean by the kingdom of God? And I've only got time today for some headlines on this, but what do we mean by the kingdom? Well, it's not a geographical region, you know, like the, the United Kingdom. It's not that. What it really means is the rule and the reign of God, wherever that is in people's lives, the realm of God's rule, the kingship of God, the kingship of, of King Jesus over people's lives and over all that he's made. And so clearly the kingdom is in the church, but actually it's a lot more than the church. The church is a carrier of the kingdom. Each individual Christian is a carrier of the kingdom. But when we talk about the kingdom coming, and Jesus told us to pray for that, he told us to pray for the kingdom to come in the Lord's Prayer. What we're talking about is the kingdom of God extending outside the church into the world, bringing the rightful and righteous rule of God into the world. And how does that happen? Well, it's not just by asking God for his kingdom to come and then sitting back and waiting. Now, in Luke 10, Jesus tells his disciples to pray for workers for the harvest. He's saying that there are many people who are ripe to be harvested, ripe to enter the kingdom of God. So you pray, my followers, you pray for the workers to bring them in. But then the very next verse, the disciples become the answers to their own prayers as Jesus sends them out to heal the sick and to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The call on you and on me is to then go out and bring his kingdom, to go out, look for signs of the kingdom, to go out with your radar up, looking for kingdom opportunities. So what are we looking for? What are these opportunities? What does it look like when the kingdom comes? Well, let's let Jesus tell us. It's usually a good idea. So right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, just after he came out of the wilderness, he did something highly significant that we can easily miss, but it would have been very significant to his listeners at the time. He went into the synagogue and he read from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So this is in Luke chapter four from verses 18 to 21. This is what Jesus read. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolled up the scroll, 
gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus read out was an extract from Isaiah 61. And Isaiah Isaiah 61 is a prophecy. It's one of 17 prophecies in the book of Isaiah about the Messiah, about the king that the Jews were waiting for and what this Messiah would be anointed by the Holy Spirit to do. And in claiming to be the fulfillment of that, as he clearly did in that passage, well, Jesus is claiming to be that Messiah. He's claiming to be that king. And so we have a description in this passage and in all those various passages in Isaiah, those 17 passages, we have a description of what the rule of that king or his kingdom is like. Now, the Jews at the time understood this. They they knew what Jesus was claiming, which is why a few verses later, they're trying to throw him off a cliff. But from all of those different passages, we can deduce a kind of kingdom manifesto characteristics of the kingdom, what it looks like when the kingdom comes. And I'm just going to very quickly list seven of them for you. So the first thing is deliverance or salvation. Deliverance or salvation. In Luke 4, it says freedom for the prisoners to release the oppressed. So this is the most commonly mentioned kingdom characteristic. When God's kingdom comes, there is deliverance from demonic oppression. There is forgiveness of sin. There is eternal salvation. This is what Jesus did. This is what the early church saw and is what we should expect to see as well. Deliverance and salvation in the kingdom of God. Second characteristic, righteousness and justice. He talked about preaching good news to the poor. So in the kingdom of God, Justice comes, righteousness comes, and in particular, the poor and the marginalized are given dignity and treated with honor. Again, just look at how Jesus treated those who are considered to be the lowest in society. And this is why our ministries like Azalea, King's Table, CAP, these are so important. These are works of the kingdom. Third characteristic is peace. Peace. We know that this Messiah in Isaiah 9 is called the Prince of Peace. When the kingdom comes, we should expect the supernatural peace of God to come. You know, and often when you're praying with somebody, it's one of the first things that breaks in. It's a sense of peace that they encounter, a sense of peace that goes beyond circumstances. And of course, this peace, this supernatural peace is something that this world, particularly at the moment, this world is crying out for that kind of peace. Fourth thing is joy, joy. So Isaiah 61 describes the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The kingdom of God brings a deep joy, not not a temporary happiness, but a deep supernatural joy that's rooted in security in our identity. And like the, the supernatural peace of God, it transcends circumstances and it wages war against worry. Fifth thing, God's presence. God's presence, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. When God's kingdom comes, his presence comes through his spirit. And you know, in the presence of God, everything changes. Everything changes. You know, we see how the spirit was with Jesus at his baptism, descended on him at his baptism. And throughout his ministry, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. We see how the spirit came at Pentecost and changed everything. The same spirit lives in you and me. The same spirit. We carry the presence of God with us. And, you know, let's keep 
considering that and wondering at that. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and anointed Jesus lives in you and me. So God's presence, part of the kingdom. Sixth thing is healing. Healing. Jesus talks about recovery of sight for the blind. When God's kingdom breaks in, people get healed. People get healed physically, people get healed emotionally. You really don't have to look far in the Gospels to realise that this was just a huge part of what Jesus did, of what he demonstrated. Everybody he prayed for got healed. Now, the early church, they didn't see everybody healed, but they saw many, many people healed. We don't see everybody healed, but we do see healing. We do see people miraculously healed. Praise God. And we should expect healing when the kingdom comes and we should keep asking for more. Healing is a vital characteristic of the kingdom of God. And the seventh one is comfort. Isaiah 61 talks about an anointing to comfort all who mourn. Comfort all who mourn. The kingdom of God brings true comfort that is more powerful than any grief someone might be carrying. Comfort through God's people and comfort through the Holy Spirit that can bring that sense of deep peace and even joy in the most painful of circumstances. So those are some of the characteristics of the kingdom of God that I've just rattled through very quickly. That's a kingdom manifesto. You know, when the rule and reign of God comes, this is what it looks like. The presence of God comes in. Deliverance, salvation, righteousness and justice, peace, joy, comfort, healing. These are all things that Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated. It's what the early church proclaimed and demonstrated. And there's a mandate on us to do the same to know those things in our own lives, but also to proclaim and demonstrate them to others. So if you're a Christian, it is a big part of your job description. In fact, maybe it's the totality of your job description as a Christian to bring the kingdom into the lives of others. That when we see the opposite of those kingdom characteristics, when we see sickness instead of healing and wholeness, turmoil instead of peace, anxiety, grief, oppression, injustice, the opposite of God's kingdom, It's an opportunity for the kingdom to come. And our job is to pray and to see what the father wants to do. And crucially, how he wants to use us in that. Remember, the disciples were the answer to their own prayer about the workers for the harvest. How does God want to use you? Because you are a carrier of the kingdom. We carry God's presence. We can bring the kingdom into the lives of others through being alert and through being obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And then just see what the father will do. I mean, what a privilege that is. How exciting that is. If you're in Christ, you belong to the king. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. And so we're called to be obedient to the king, even when that means taking a risk. And we're called to go and extend the kingdom. And so through fear and a lack of courage, a lack of love, I missed an opportunity. to to potentially bring the kingdom into the life of my removal man. Now, if I prayed, do I know that he would have been healed? No, of course not. We can't guarantee that. But that's not our job either. Our job is to be open to and respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to see opportunities for God's kingdom to come wherever the opposite exists, to take a step of faith, take a step of courage and leave the rest to God. That's what it means to pray, your kingdom come. That's the adventure of living to say yes to Jesus. Now, of course, it it might be that you just you just feel a bit intimidated by all this. You just don't feel ready or that you don't have 
uh, the, the, the level of faith to do this kind of stuff, like as Wendy described last week, you know, to share what you feel God is saying with the radiographer and, and his receptionist and then pray for healing. Now, of course, in one sense, you won't know until you try. But it's also important to understand that you can start small. Take small steps. Remember, the kingdom of God starts in the small. Jesus told all sorts of parables about seeds that grow into big trees and about yeast that works through the whole batch of dough. The kingdom coming will often start in the seeming insignificance of a small seed rather than in the big and spectacular. And that's not to say we shouldn't go after the big and spectacular. We should. We should look for opportunities to be really courageous. But Jesus says in Mark 9 that even a cup of water given in my name will receive its reward. So it's about developing a naturally supernatural mindset, a naturally supernatural habit in our lives, a kingdom mindset that means actively listening for the voice of God, looking for opportunities for the kingdom to come. Those small seeds that you can sow through loving someone, through serving someone in response to a prompting of the Holy Spirit. So a bit like I described uh, sometime at the beginning of this year, uh, the time when I, I, I responded just before Christmas to a, a nudge of the Holy Spirit to bless the receptionists at my son's school with some chocolates, just to bring a little bit of the light and the joy of the kingdom into their lives, knowing that they were feeling pretty tired and worn down. Or like how I've been texting a friend on my bless list, asking if I can pray for healing and actually ending up praying for her son's knee and continuing to pray because I love them and, and I want to see kingdom breakthrough or the small and simple seed of stopping to talk and pray with someone on the steps of the King Center, someone who subsequently has come to church and King's table. You know, small seeds that bring the kingdom, that, that build faith and can lead on to bigger things. And sometimes, of course, the seed might lay dormant for a long time. It might not start growing for a long time. It might seem like nothing is happening. I, I remember a few years ago, uh, someone I know who came back to the Lord. He told me that there was a text message I'd sent him years before that had made a huge difference in his journey back to the Lord. Now, I can't even remember what the message said, but it was a small seed that took a long time to grow, but it did grow. It did grow. So look for opportunities to sow seeds, to see where the opposite of the kingdom of God exists, to pray, to act in obedience to God's prompting and see what the father will do. And I would encourage you to check out the story page on our Naturally Supernatural page on the website. You can share stories there, but also you can be encouraged by the stories of others that are being shared there. And there are some really good ones there already. Ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. Final thing on the kingdom of God is the paradox that it is both now and not yet. It's both now and not yet. You know, we see fruit of the kingdom. We see signs of the kingdom now in our day, kingdom breakthrough going on, that the kingdom of God advancing. But we also know full well that there are areas where we don't see that breakthrough because the kingdom is yet to fully come. You know, with Jesus, when he started his ministry, it's like the kingdom of God burst onto the scene. The, the, the way that things will be in the end, when God restores and renews all things, started to be seen in the now. Jesus said, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's kind of like the end landed in the present. It's begun, but it's yet to be fully completed. And that's often described as being like the difference between D-Day and V-Day. Because on D-Day, the outcome of the Second World War was effectively settled. 
Yeah, because of that victory on D-Day, the tide was conclusively turned. The ultimate outcome was no longer in doubt. But it took another year or so for the war in Europe to come to an end, for that victory to come in all its fullness. And of course, in the meantime, more people died. There was more suffering. There was more hardship. There were further battles, really hard battles to be fought, even though the final result was not in doubt. And it's in that gap between the certainty of winning and the actual ultimate achievement of winning, it's in that gap that the Christian life is lived. In his death on the cross and his resurrection to new life, Jesus accomplished everything that was necessary. He did it all, everything that was necessary for God's kingdom to come in all its fullness. He dealt a lethal blow to the enemy. The end is not in doubt, praise God. But there is still a battle. There's still a battle. Jesus will come back to make all things new. But for now, we live in the tension of the now and the not yet. God's kingdom has come. It's advancing, but it's not yet here in all its fullness. And why is that important for us to understand? Well, it's because if we understand the not yet, that really helps us to live with the element of mystery in God's kingdom. It helps us to navigate disappointment when we don't see the breakthrough we want, but still firmly holding on to the truth that God is good and God is loving and he cannot be anything other than good and loving. It helps us to persevere when we don't get the breakthrough in the now. But of course, the danger is that through disappointment, through unbelief, through fear, that we end up overemphasizing the not yet. And we become passive and accepting of the brokenness around us rather than contending for greater breakthrough in the now. Hence this series. Jesus lived with an emphasis on the kingdom being now. Everywhere he went, he talked about and he demonstrated the kingdom. He taught us to persevere in prayer for breakthrough and not give up. He told us to heal the sick. He told us to proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus didn't shy away from the now. And of course, it's also possible to overemphasize the now uh, and forget about the not yet. That can lead to big problems as well. But do you know what? When I stand before Jesus, I don't think he's going to accuse me of expecting too much of him. If anything, the opposite is true. And I would rather err on the side of expecting too much, even though it might lead to some disappointments when the breakthrough doesn't happen, than not having a high enough expectancy for the kingdom to break in and advance. I want to have the courage and the security to pray for the removal man or whoever else I encounter in the future. So the challenge for all of us this week, it's really a continuation of last week's challenge. First, continue to get time with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you and bring revelation of your identity as a dearly loved son or daughter. And then second, continue to look for opportunities to do good, to sow kingdom seed into situations where the opposite of the kingdom exists. Pray and see what the father wants to do and what he wants you to do. That is the challenge. Step in and bring the kingdom of God. And you know, what? just imagine the impact If we all took hold of this, just imagine the impact we could make on our town, truly surrounding and saturating High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. So let's continue together on this naturally supernatural journey, encouraging one another, cheering one another on, being hungry for God's power to break out, not just open, but hungry for it. Taking steps of faith, taking steps of courage to see God's kingdom advance into every sphere, into every context and to see lives transformed. 
And as we now come to worship again together, I just want you to use this song as a prayer. Use it as a prayer for the Spirit of God to lead you in this, to lead you deeper in this, to lead you in extending the kingdom. And so, Father, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And please, Father, please use me. Let's worship together.